This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Aaron Boone was on the Michael K. Show today. He was. And uh, I took, once again, I don't know what people seem to think, but there's something between K and Boone now, you know? Gordon, you hear it? it? I'm thinking uh, it's the same question that I heard, and I immediately flagged it on my little sheet here. So Uh I I did not, I was not able to hear the entire thing, Uh but I'm interested to see if it's the same one that you heard. Yeah, there's one that there's a little, there's a little, you know, a little stink on it, right? A little little bit. A little stink on it. Just a little bit. And even Boone said, well, you know, I'm, to paraphrase, well, you know, we we keep away from the noise. You keep away from the noise. Well, we keep away from He's not like, I've heard that you had something to say, but, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what it was. I didn't hear what it was, but I heard that you were coming at us. I don't know. He hosts a sports talk show, and he's got swept by a team they've been trying to beat for five years. Oh, you know, they played well. In. They tried hard. I mean, what is he yeah. supposed to say? <laughs> you did, you, he was supposed to say. He was supposed to say what Boone said. Well, you know, we had some injuries, and, mm. and we just couldn't get it done. And you know, we like like this one. And this is this is the one we're referring to. Michael K asked Aaron Boone, "Should the team? Does the team have to be blown up?" Here's what Aaron Boone had to say. Does this have to be remade to get to where you want to go to ultimately win a World Series? No, 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 no. We've got to get better, no question. And part of that is you're missing some really key pieces going into a key series. That's part of it, too. It's like part of it is being a little bit whole going into the postseason to give you that better chance or to be on better footing. That said, what we went into the postseason, we still had a chance. We still could have won. We still could have got there. We didn't. We got too many good things going on within the organization, within our team, that certainly we've got to augment it and make the right moves moving forward, make the right decisions moving forward. But we're very much right now as we head into the offseason, very much should be in the mix to be a championship contender next year. Hopefully we do the right things this offseason and in spring training and during the regular season that put us in the best position to go take our shot again, hopefully come next postseason. But and look, that chase, that search for getting better and being a more perfect team never relents and we'll continue to work that but you know we're chasing obviously the the Astros in the American League right now are setting the standard and we got to get up to that standard and and ultimately pass that but we're also within range of that too what do you think Gordon you're a Yankee fan within range of it (laughs) you played them four times and you lost all four I mean, what well, are we in range But they of? lost closer. The, the, the games were competitive. They, they were you, closer. You never scored. I mean, you never scored any runs. The offense was abysmal. You struck out a thousand the times. Season. No, but he's talking about the five. He got five runs down the last game. Five runs. Yeah. And how many did they have? They had uh, more than more five, than five. Runs. Yeah. Yeah. Five. But, you, but you were right there. Well, look, I mean, I don't think the Yankees need to be blown up, per se. Blown up means that you're starting over. I don't think that they should be starting over. I'll say this. If they lose Judge... Yeah, you're starting over. over. And here's the thing. This group primarily has been kind of together here for five years. Yeah. You know, like they've made some additions, but this group has been here for about five years. Uh And it's getting older, and it's not reached the goal, and it's been injured a lot. So I'm not saying they need to be blown up, but there needs to be significant changes to the lineup, to to the infield, if they want to compete. If they think next year, Bringing back essentially the same group, re-signing Aaron Judge, is going to be enough to get over the mountain? Well, then, we all know what's going to happen there. Well, let's find out about third base. Is Donaldson the third baseman next year, Aaron Boone? I mean, yeah, as we sit here right now, absolutely. Certainly, I thought it was especially the standard that he set, you know, and being an MVP caliber player, winning an MVP. He's been an offensive machine, really, for the better part of his career. I think we all saw, I think you would acknowledge just how good he played for us defensively at third base. But I think it was one of those years for him where he was constantly, you know, searching for that consistency and that, you know, strong run. He'd have a few games where it seemed like, okay, here we go. He's about to take 
take off. He's about to, and then he, you know, take a step back. So I know it was a grind for him offensively. I know it was a struggle, like it was, frankly, for a lot of our guys in the postseason where we didn't perform as well as we would have liked offensively, and that wasn't all Josh. And But the competitive at-bat thing, I think, was there, especially because he was one of the guys actually getting on base at a consistent clip, even in the postseason. It was just, you know, getting to that, you know, that big hit or that, you know, big swing that would really help get him rolling. That didn't happen for a number of our guys. In the Houston series, he won one of the guys who was oh getting on base. I mean, he got some walks in the playoffs, and that's about it. He's 36 years old. He'll be 37 next year. He's had a great career. He uh-huh. mentioned it. He was a former MVP. I think he's a three- or four-time All-Star. He's a good glove at third base. If that's who you're relying on to be your third baseman next year, well, I mean, what spots are you improving? Shortstop. Okay, you're going to go out and sign one of the big guys because I don't see that happening either. Well, so no, we're you, gonna you start promote. to run out of spots where you're improving the team. We're going to promote from within. we got like five shortstops in the minor leagues. You're going to bring them up. Okay, them. well, then, then don't tell me you're serious about winning a championship. If this, is the, if this is the plan, that Josh Donaldson will still be at third, even despite the disastrous offensive season that he had this year, the dude hit 222 with an on-base of 308 and a slugging 100 points lower than the year before. Hmm. His OPS plus 100 is an average player. He was 94. He was a below average player. Mm. So he if was you're Gallo. Telling, he was hanging out with Gallo. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're telling me that he's the third baseman next year, it almost feels like all hope is lost. I figure that wow. LeMahieu will move over to third base. That's what I'm thinking. hoping that they're going to go out and get a legitimate shortstop to play that position who can actually hit. You bring back Rizzo. You bring back Judge. Maybe you bring back Ben Attendee. Bader's in center field. And, you know, look, you're going to have a defensive catcher behind the plate. Maybe that will be enough, and maybe you make some trades in the course of the season to see where you're at. But nope, this no idea, Glaber? You didn't mention well, Glaber. I, I, no I'm, Glaber? I, I think that Glaber is probably gone. I don't know wow. what they're going to do at second base. Well, like, what, what are they going to trade to get rid of some of these pieces? Like, they got things on their team that they're locked into that they don't, yeah. you don't want to be locked into. I didn't hear Aaron Hicks's name mentioned. Is he? Is He's he one of the ones you're locked into. He signed for another three years. Can't hit. Has no power. Can't stay on the field. Can't stay on the field. And when he's on the field, it's like he's like chasing butterflies in left field. I mean, he, there's no, there's no real, you know, breakneck speed anymore. So no. I mean, they got they. I'm not saying they got to blow it up, but they have to make significant changes. It is going to be interesting when Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman face the media tomorrow at noon. Uh, that's going to be interesting as well. I can't wait to hear what they say because, you know, more Cashman will be pressed on some of the moves and some of the things that, you know, didn't turn out well and what turned out well. But, Gordon, this is the one I think that you and I had the same thought process about. When Michael Kay said to Aaron Boone, why did you show the 2004 Red Sox highlights to the guys? We do all year, not just in the playoffs, you know, all throughout the year at different points. You know, we send out and we grab from all different sports, walks of life, frankly, motivational things, you know, whether it's a Kobe Bryant clip or a Ray Lewis, you know, we, we, we pick from different things that we think will be impactful for our players. And I, I think the only thing that was coming out of that 04 is we were in that hole. We were in the 03, down three games, and obviously you're completely up against it. I think the point was, you know, this – win a game like that was our mindset of let's just win a game and, and keep moving forward and kind of to tell the story that this is something that is really difficult and we're up against it we get that but it's not something that's insurmountable and has been done before and I think it was, we picked little things out throughout the course of the season to try and help whether at different times it's motivation different times it's educational different times it's try and get our guys in the right mindset all the time. Gordon, he wasn't done. Michael wasn't done. He pressed him. I think you're overstating, like, I don't even know how to phrase it, like, over saying what was done. Like, we rolled out the 04 Red Sox highlight situation. It wasn't that. It was clips of just little things that, you know, were trying to put us in a position to understand that this has been done before and nothing more, nothing less. 
All right, I, I still don't he, he understand doesn't get why that he did it's it. a bad look. <laughs> I still don't understand. Yeah, he he doesn't <laughs> get that it's a bad. No, it's not. It's not that we were playing highlights of the 2004 Red Sox beating the Yankees and coming back from down 3-0. It, we were just giving the guys some. No, that's exactly what you were doing. Yes, like that's the darkest time in you know, modern Yankee. I don't know, maybe something back in the 40s or 50s that I was alive for. Maybe there's something where you know Bill Mazarowski or I don't know. But the mm-hmm. Red Sox coming back from down 3-0, I would have to think, is the worst moment in Yankee history. And you were using it as motivation. He doesn't, like, you ever, you ever point something out to somebody and they just don't get it? Mm-hmm. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't see it that way. Happens to me and my son all the time. Yeah. <laughs> look, you know, that, that deer in the headlights, look, what are you talking yeah. about? What do you mean? What, what, it should work. Yeah, I know it should work. Here's why it doesn't work. But that, that, I mean, I don't understand who even thought of that idea. I, why would you do Because they were down. There's other teams who were down 0-3 that you could have used other than that one. There's other situations. I get that it's only, the only time it's been done in baseball. I get it. But you mentioned you look at Ray Lewis. You mentioned you look at Kobe Bryant. Believe me, there's other teams who have been down in series and they've come back to win them. You could have used any one of those. Why would you remind them about what happened? I just, I just don't get it. <laughs> How about I don't showing them some it. video of one of the te- guys on the team getting a hit? That might have that might have been motivation. Uh, where, and where would you find that? I, I'm not, it was obviously in the regular season. Maybe the, the uh, Guardian series. No, you oh. know the one that I was thinking of. I'm not sure uh-huh. if it's the one that um, is the right one. Okay. But I think it was the one where he was asked about his job security because he said, you know, we we he he heard that Michael was saying some things, but he didn't hear what it was. All and right, it was well, here so, it is. Yeah, nonsense. Here it is right now. This is it. Were you worried about your job security? Oh, I don't know. Do you um, worry about that stuff? I, I really don't. Obviously, last year, you know, when my contract was up, obviously that was speculated on a lot, and I didn't even worry about it then. You know, it's like if it works out and we come together and work out a deal, great. We were able to do that. So I think finishing this year, I didn't look at it like that. I look at it as I've got a few years left on my contract, and the goal doesn't stop, even though there's the disappointment and the finality of the end of this season. You also got to pick yourself up off the mat and under understand that now starts the building towards next year and trying to get to this point and ultimately push through. That's what you continue to work for. And that's what you focus on. You don't really worry about the, I guess, the job security. You understand that comes with the territory. And you certainly understand that when you sign up in this profession or this role, it goes with it. And I understand the disappointment of not, you know, reaching our ultimate goal, you know, here probably more than anywhere else where that is the expectation. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to any other way you know because it matters here and you want to be part of something and doing something that matters to a lot of people Ah, that was not the one either you know i can't Mm -hmm. read my own handwriting i wrote it down on this piece of paper next to me but essentially he said that you know he he had heard that michael was coming after them pretty hard but he didn't hear exactly what it was it was was the garrett cole that he should have why did he stick with cole that that was why didn't he stick with cole i think that's the one you're referring to yeah, but it was, uh, you know, yeah, and it's going to be. Well, look, here's <laughs> the thing. To me, Boone is not the one I really want to hear from. Because to me, at the end of the day, the person who I want to hear from is Brian Cashman. Because Tomorrow. that's the person who put this team together. And it's clear this team was not good enough. You're unbelievable. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't even close. No. I mean, the, the goal for five years has been to beat the Astros. And they've never, in this five years, never really been further away from being, you know, there's been years they haven't played the Astros. But in terms of actually playing them, they didn't win a game against the Astros. Yeah. Yeah, this was not a good look. And uh, unfortunately, as you mentioned, they're moving further and further away from Houston. They're they're not moving closer to Houston. And I just don't know if they have the flexibility to make the moves that they need to make, Gordon, to to get closer. I mean, they're going to have to really – Brian Cashman is going to have to really be creative. And he's got some missing pieces. He's got some pitchers now that in the bullpen that he's not going to have for most of the season next year, if I'm not – if I'm if I'm correct. He's not going to have a couple of those guys to maybe, you know, near the end of the season, if not the following season. Yeah, it's going to take a GM who is going to have to be creative. Uh, if if the Yankees are of the mindset, and I guess we'll find this out tomorrow, 
that, hey, we're close. We just need a tweak here or there. That's a bad sign. They need, mm-hmm. they need significant change with this roster. This roster is not good enough. The offense is not good enough. They have problems at third base, shortstop, left field. Catcher, if you want a defensive catcher who calls a good game and frames pitches, okay, fine. Um, but there's a lot of age on this roster. But the rule changes about no shifts anymore. How is that going to impact? You need somebody who's really forward-thinking. And in the times where Brian Cashman has been forward-thinking, it's not really worked out. Like mm-hmm. signing Severino and, and, and Hicks to that contract didn't work out. You know, yeah. there's a lot, of, a lot of missing the market on their young players and then essentially just cutting those guys or getting rid of those guys for basically nothing when they could have gotten some. He's not been very forward-thinking here the last few years. And, it's on, and he's had some bad luck. I mean, for Severino, in theory, that was the right thing to do. For yeah, Severino. Oh look, bad luck for is Hicks, part of it, absolutely. But for, but for Severino, I think that was the right thing to do. He just got hurt. And, and, and listen, all he had to do was look across town to see what happened to the Mets. And every time the Mets lock in pitchers, it's hard to lock in pitchers going for any long period of time because they, they're susceptible to injury. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you look, and, and, and at the end of the day, Brian Cashman is the person who is running the New York Yankees. It's not Aaron Boone. Hal Steinbrenner is the owner, and, and I'm sure a lot of that comes from the owner, the mindset, the, the aggressiveness in the offseason, the payroll, the budget, all those type of things. But the person who is pulling the strings is Brian Cashman. If you're angry at Aaron Boone, you should be mad at Brian Cashman because he's the one who brought Aaron Boone here. So I want to hear yeah. from Brian Cashman tomorrow. Yeah, it is going to be interesting to hear what he's got to say and, and to see if he's going to share an idea of what he plans to do with this club. I mean, I know they're in review, review mode and – you know, there's a lot of injury stuff and there's a lot of what we have to do and things didn't work out. But I, I will say this. Usually, Cashman has been very honest and he'll, he'll put it on the line when players haven't produced or haven't done what they're supposed to do. He'll say so. So hopefully that'll be he'll be the same way tomorrow. Yeah, it just feels like with the Yankees, there's a smugness sometimes that, oh, mm-hmm. no, no, we know what we're doing. You guys don't yeah. realize what we're doing, but we know what we're doing. Well, the results would say otherwise. Yep, you're right about that. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Gordon, I'm still concerned. About about, about your cover this, five? Yes, I am. I think at this point, what we have to do for the good of the show is you tell me what your picks are, and then I'll go the opposite way. Because that seems like it would be a pretty successful strategy right now. But, this, but that should <laughs> this should work. This should yeah, work. Yeah, well, Gordon. look, they, you still you. got a shot. Philly and Houston? Yeah, I mean, 12 points. Even Aaron Boone picked Philly. All you need is a – I mean, this is the Texans. You just need a broken play and a touchdown. Even Aaron Boone picked Philly, and he's 6-2. Oh, when you heard Boone picked him, then he probably should (laughs) have went the other way. But he's 6-2. Yeah, but see, that's the thing about people picking NFL games. If they're 6-2, they're not going to stay hot the whole time. That's the time to go the opposite way. Mm. Like me, two weeks ago, I was 5-0. Oh, yes. I was I was riding high last week. Yes, zero and five. Everybody's wow. basically five hundred. Yeah, no, not everybody. Well, <laughs> not everybody. <laughs> but you not know everybody. What I'm Anybody who's like super hot. There are no geniuses picking NFL. Some games. people would kill for five hundred. That yeah, I know. I, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> but enough about Dave Rothenberg. No, please. <laughs> I'm not talking about him. Talk about me. I'm looking in the mirror. It's not pretty sight. Yeah. And that might be the case this Sunday, Gordon. It is a uh, situation between the Jets and the Buffalo Bills. This is mm-hmm. this is a fascinating game for me because obviously the, the, I can't think and I can't imagine what that that betting line is going to be. But um, there's not many people who would think that the Jets would have a chance to beat Buffalo in this game. Not many people. But I think Gordon, it is still very important for this quarterback to have a game that this team, much kind of like the Texans, are in the game in the fourth quarter, okay? I think that has to be, especially coming off the, the, the horror show that he had last week with the three turnovers, the Jets have to be in this game and they have to be able to do some things offensively because, Gordon, you cannot expect this defense to be on the field and chase Stephon Diggs all around the field all day and, and, and have – Three and outs, three and outs, three and outs. One, two, three, punt. One, two, three, punt. You can't expect that to happen and be in this game. So I think it is very important. 
I'm very curious to see what Lafleur is coming up with. I'm very curious to see how Zach Wilson performs because we we focus a lot and rightfully so about this Bills offense. It is phenomenal, and what you know Josh Allen is able to do is a physical running quarterback. It's great. They run the football. They throw the football. They're a complete team. But Gordon, we don't talk a lot about their defense, and their defense is as physical as any defense in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look to me the game, the story of this game this week has to be that Zach Wilson does not cost the Jets the game. He cannot be the main storyline of mistakes and miscues and interceptions and costing the team points and and overthrows. If he can just go out there and have, you know, an average kind of day and just not be the main reason you lost the game like it was last week, uh, I think that that would actually be progress. I, I just don't think that the Jets have much of a, of a chance to beat the Bills, even though the game is at home, um, because the Bills are just, I mean, they are probably the best team in the NFL, and if they're not the best team, they're one of the best teams. So I don't give the Jets much of a chance, and the good news for Zach Wilson is I think the Jets are going to have a lot of problems. It's not just going to be him this week. Yeah. They're going to have a lot of problems, and uh, I, I just I – just, I'm just really curious to see how they're going to perform and what they're going to do. And the biggest thing for me is how's this defense going to try to keep, try to keep continuity, try to, you know, set the edges to bottle up Josh Allen and then also have some, also put pressure on him for him to throw the ball down the field. I mean, this is, this is a, this is a tough ask for any team in the NFL, especially this jet team whose defense is not bad. No, their defense is good. Uh, and I could see the defense doing a better than average job, getting after him, sacking him, you know, putting some hits on him and, and, and stuff like that. I don't think that the Bills are going to go out there and score 50 points, but I just have worries about the Jets being able to put up points themselves. As do I. Here's Zach Wilson on facing Buffalo. These guys are good. We're good. We're a good team, and we're close, and things are getting closer every week. And I think for us, it's, it's going out there and taking on the challenge of understanding that we can beat these guys, and, you know, we just got to go out there and execute. And execution is the key, you know, all the way around the board for us. Let's go! Wrong team. How do you move on from the mistakes of last week? It's just football. I mean, it, yeah, I feel like almost every week you guys are asking what happened the first half compared to the second half. It's just football. And, you know, you got to have short-term memory. you got to be able to move on. you got to make plays when something play before didn't go well. And, you know, we're going to keep growing and trying to, trying to get better at that. All right. Well, no, he's saying the right things, Gordon. But the question, the, here's, here's the issue. The issue is we want you to move on. But, unfortunately, he's made the same mistakes. So you end up asking him the same questions because he's put himself in the same situations. Yeah, um, and 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 it looked like last week he was a little rattled as well. Oh yeah, you know some of those throws, some of the mistakes that he made, even the the passes that were not intercepted, the ones that were just off target. And now they're not going to likely have Corey Davis this week, so that's another. You know, I mean, when Brees Hall went down, we were all kind of concerned about all right, how how are you going to put this together now, where the offense can still make plays because you were riding him so much. They were not able to do that last week, and now the challenge becomes tougher because you're probably going to need more offense, and their defense is really good. It's better than the Patriots' defense. Yeah, it definitely is. And the sad thing about Corey Davis, Gordon, is, I mean, you know, they have a lot of depth at wide receiver, but he's one of the few receivers that, you know, Zach Wilson seems to have a relationship with, some chemistry that he can, you know, they can help each other out and make some plays for each other. So that's that's going to be a, a big loss. So Mike LaFleur was asked, how do you get this offense going? It comes down to me getting these guys to execute that stuff because those are the plays, those RPOs in the quick game, That those are your efficiency plays. Those are your, your plays to keep you on track, to keep you in third and manageable. And we have been very explosive this year. Uh, we're, we're in the top 10 in explosive plays in the league right now, but we haven't been as efficient as we need to be. And being efficient keeps us, again, like I said, being in third and manageable right there. And that, that's on me to get that corrected because that's that's little details. Efficiency is details and, and details is coaching. And, and um, you know, so it's myself and the rest of the coaches to make sure we get that done which means run the ball some <laughs> yeah run the ball some. do not get away from that run game even if you go down by seven points even if you go down by 10 points you have no path to victory throwing the ball all over the place that doesn't do anybody any good especially no, gotta your quarterback have a balance. gotta have a little balance Absolutely. gotta have a little balance a little bit you know and we get that they're going to stack the box and force you to throw we get it i, I can tell you right now this is what they're going to do and i haven't looked at the game plan at all I know what that's what I would do if I were Buffalo. 
well, you have to you have to come up with a game plan that takes advantage of that uh, aggressiveness and, you know, let them kind of overplay their hand a little bit and you beat them with a with a screen pass or a little dump off or so. you got to figure out a way where it's not just whipping the ball around the field 40, 50 times a game cuz I can tell you right now that's not going to be successful. No, it isn't. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Spike is in St. Pete. What's up, Spike? Hey, guys. A couple of quick things. First of all, I'll get to my main topic in a second. I just noticed Jokic had a quadruple double tonight. He had 10 turnovers. So if you don't see many of those. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Okay, uh, Gordon, you started, I want to say, 16 16 or 17 on October 1st. Is that pretty close? Yeah, 17, the year the the Yankees went up against the Astros. Yeah. Right. Okay. So for the first year, I'm, I may be off a half a year, year, but uh, that's where I'm at right now. Thinking of this, you and I had specific conversations about Porzingis scoring 30 points and the Knicks will lose, right? Mm-hmm. And the other conversation was the wire in Kyrie's knee. Remember those? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, so here's where I'm going. First of all, my little. Little speech here, quick one on the state of the NBA and what transpired. Stories don't last three, four days unless they're real serious. Adam Silver, who I always admired and still do to some extent, it's not good to be fashionably late. He made an egregious mistake, an unbelievable mistake. I really, because I like him a lot and he's player friendly. It, 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 Charles Barkley and Reggie Reggie Miller and the Shack all said it right. Look. You can't touch these subjects, but you have to, in a way, to keep uh, awareness of what's going on around you. Kyrie Irving is a great basketball player. Anything past that and you're giving him credit for, I'm not in that camp anymore. I think Buddha said it the other night when he said, uh, you know, get out of here, get rid of him. It's sad to me because I used to love watching him go to work, as we said, Larry, you know. Mm-hmm. I used to love certain guys, of course, Kareem and, and uh, Michael and Kobe you know, but, and um, LeBron. But uh, he's off the list, and I know it's not fair in a way, but what he did as a teammate and what he did, he can't say no. That He, he can't admit it wrong here. The money is just a damage control. It's got to be so embarrassing for this NBA to deal with this crap. And I think he's never suiting up again uh, for the Nets, this uh, five games minimum. Come on, get rid of the guy. He's worthless on the market, totally worthless. And I really feel bad about it. You guys know how much I love basketball, and I know how much you do, Larry, and you like it a lot too, Gordon. It's just terrible what happened. And I've been listening, as I always do, the people calling about this, and you're going to have three sides. You know how that goes. Supporting him, not supporting him, or not caring. And uh, believe me, this thing's going to have long repercussions, and it's very, very sad to me. I'll still watch the games. i got to deal with the Knicks. Like, uh, after last night's third quarter, I should pick a pass till June. But <laughs> bottom line, thanks for the time. I want to hear something. I, I know what you guys have been saying. I really do. But if, do you guys feel as bad as I do about this? Well, thanks for the phone call, Spike. It, it's it's unfortunate, and how I feel about it is, you know, it we're already dealing with differences. We're already dealing with separation. We're already dealing with uh, situations where people can't talk to each other or or tune each other out or don't respect each other. And this is just another it's just another example of it. And what's unfortunate, Gordon, is. This is not the first time this issue has come up. It's 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 just it's it's amazing how tone deaf people can be. It just is. It's frustrating. It's it's really really frustrating. I mean, it it it, it continually happens, and not just about not just about this race, but it's other races, other things where people just just don't they just don't have common sense. Yeah, I was more wishful thinking last night when I said, "Is this the end of this Kyrie Irving story?" Obviously, uh, that was uh, that that didn't last even twenty four hours. Well, look, no. uh, I, I think the only thing that I feel new about this, I've already said my piece about Kyrie, uh, and I only think that he's worth my time to continue to focus on him. The league to me looks terrible. Adam Silver looks like a clown right now. Um, think about if this were any other commissioner in any other sport. Think if this was Roger Goodell, and this was going on for a week now. Think of the things people would be saying about Roger Goodell. Yep. If this were Rob Manfred, 
we would be hammering Rob Manfred left and right. For whatever reason, Adam Silver gets a pass on these things. I don't think that he can get a pass anymore. And to me, it's really on the league. You know, it's clear the Nets weren't going to do anything until they were forced to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's kind of crazy the Nets are putting out this statement that Kyrie Irving is not worthy to be around their team. And they're about to bring in a guy, it's the new head coach, who <laughs> I mean, got suspended for the entire year. For the details, we don't know exactly, but it don't look good. The Nets are a joke. The league looks like a joke. And Adam Silver just looks weak right now. And I think that the league has to almost overcorrect at this point because they're so late to the party. And it's unusual for Adam Silver to be this yeah. way, Gordon. Yeah. I mean, he's normally he's been yep. one of the the guys that's been in the forefront. He and you know, he's he learned from the best. He, he learned from David Stern. And it, I mean, he had his faults too, but he was usually on top of these things. So it's it's kind of surprising really that the league is so far behind on this situation. It's 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 um it's puzzling, uh, and it just—I uh, I don't know if it's because it's Kyrie Irving. I, I don't—I don't know if the league expected the team to do something. I don't know if the team expected the league to do something. It's a mess. The Brooklyn Nets are a dumpster fire right now. It's scary. It, it really, it really, really is scary. Uh, let's go to Richard in Manhattan. What's up, Richard? Hi, Larry Gordon. You know, did we ever have this kind of situation? Two World Series teams. Same cities playing football the same night. Huh. Houston and Philly. I yeah, mean, I, I don't bet know. You it feels like something that has probably happened before, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. That's pretty hard. You have to get four teams like that together one night. Uh, you know, Gordon, I can say this for sure. Uh, by the way, Houston covered today. Out of the 13 games this don't week, the home that. underdog, eight eight of the home underdogs, uh, uh, eight of the t- games are home underdogs, and Houston covered the 13-and-a-half-point spread today. They lost by 12. The Jets, now, they've got to be the first team in history of football playing a game where they're only a game-and-a-half behind the team. They're at 5-3. and three, Buffalo's at 6-1. and one, Yet they're 13-and-a-half-point underdogs at home with their starting quarterback. They you know, actually maybe talked the about that on the K show today, Richard. I think it's the fifth time since 1960 that a team two games under 500 has been a double-digit under. Two games over 500. Two games over 500. Yes, as a, as a well, double-digit. We spoke about this the other night, and I got to correct you, or at least I think I'm correcting you. When I said that, and it, it's still holding, 40 percent of the NFL games this year have been home underdogs, and you said. Well, that shows parity. I don't I think so. I don't remember I think, this. Yeah, I don't you remember. said there's a lot. No, you said there's a lot of parity. There is a lot of parity. There's not okay. many very good teams. But what this shows, I mean, it's like an SAT question. <laughs> what does this show when you see 40% of the games are home underdogs? To me, it shows that there's a great divide in the NFL, the have and have-nots. Whereas the have-nots, even with home field advantage, are still underdogs. You know? I mean, it's well, amazing. I, I don't. It, I mean, I don't keep track of this, yeah. but this seems like a high number. Forty percent of the games, home underdogs. In the old days, a home team, you know, you were guaranteed pretty much that they'd be. Even a bad team would maybe three, four, five at most point underdog. You're seeing thirteen point spreads. Tonight's game was a thirteen mm-hmm. and a half games point spread, and they did cover Houston. That's why I think the Jets are a good good bet on Sunday because. There's a lot of signs showing that it never happened before, but we never know. Well, usually uh, division, a popular theory in betting is division games, you take the points, especially if it's double digits. And if it's a so double-digit point spread, you take the under as well. Another, another thing, the, the uh, baseball games. Now, I don't think you've ever seen this, where five home runs breaks a record in World Series. Never happened before. And then the next day, the very next day, 24 hours, the team is no hit yeah. to go from that kind of high to that kind of low. In any sport, at any time, you know, just think of the unlikelihood that something like that can happen. But I was thinking of that a couple of days ago. Karis uh, Levert, Larry, scored yeah. 41. Him and uh, was it Donovan Mitchell, they both scored over 40 in the same game. But the very next night or two nights later, their next game, Levert scored one point. One point. So he went from scoring 41 points in the night to the next game scoring one point. 
Yeah. He gave I his points to he gave to. his points and thanks for the phone call, Richard. He gave his points to Garland, who came back, Gordon, and he ended up with over thirty. And so he Yeah, they can score Cleveland, man. They, they have a nice little score. group there. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. They do. They they're gonna be listen. They're gonna be tough. They're gonna be a tough out. Can they're the Phillies score? Out. Maybe can maybe get a couple of runs here? Can they do uh, something? Any shekels on the game tonight? Or you just kept I do, shekels yeah. I have shekels really? on the Astros. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, I have shekels on the Astros, but Again. I, want, I want to lose those shekels. <laughs> I want to set those shekels on fire and flush them right down the toilet. That's what I'm, I'm hoping. I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of cold, angry people in Philadelphia right now. Oh, my gosh. I mean, could no. you imagine? I mean, after game three, they thought, oh, this is done. It's we over. We hit all these home runs. It's, it's over. over. We're going to take it. Well, you know, we're having this magical season. And they've scored one run since, and they're about to. If they don't come, if they don't do anything here, they're going to Houston, needing to win Game Six and Seven on the road. And I'm trying to look at Rafael Montero and like, how come you wouldn't like that with? The, <laughs> how come you wouldn't like this with the Mets? Yeah, it's amazing how the Astros are able to get more out of people that you've seen other places, but when they mm-hmm. go there, magically. oh, magically, they're... you know that's another thing that I heard. Uh, I, I think it was yesterday I heard it that well, you know, the Astros are not cheating now. We don't know that. No, we have no. We clue. don't know that. We didn't know that they were cheating then. We didn't find that out until much later, the off season. Yeah. So it's possible. You know, anything's possible. Happens. Die hard. You know, just because you don't hear drums beating doesn't mean that they're not right. <laughs> you got you smoke know. signals or something in the in center field. Who knows? It could, it could have some other stuff. You know, right? it could guy, have some other guy stuff. Guy up, upstairs on the roof or something. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. They're very imaginative, and creative. Mm-hmm. Very creative and successful. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> Belichick wants to get some some ideas from them, you know. Yeah, because he always gets caught. Oh yeah, he does get caught a lot. But we don't know that he gets caught a lot. He might be cheating every single time. It's true. We, he's only gotten caught like three or four times. It's like yeah. going to a restaurant. You go to a restaurant every single day, and you only get food poisoning two or three times. That's not so bad. It's not bad. No, just the percentages are with you. Yeah, that's for sure. Exactly. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Hardesty and Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Gordon, Philly got a run. Yes, they did. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I got the, you know, keeping my fingers crossed for Philadelphia. You're, you're a good man. We need something good to happen in society. There's enough bad stuff going on. <laughs> this, we need this, the this Astros to lose. That's something that could bring us all together as a society. And if it doesn't, then you're the problem. If you're rooting for the Astros and you're not an Astros fan, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, I, I, there's no question. There's no question. I mean, me, I mean, you know, obviously I'm not rooting I'm for I'm not Philly. saying you root for Philadelphia, but you can't root for Houston. No, you can't. No, you, you just watch the game if you want. Exactly. That's all you do. You watch the game. It's stress-free, by the way. Now, did it bother you at all to see Syndergaard on the mound for the Phillies tonight, or is that too far gone? You That's don't miss gone. Him. I don't miss him. I don't miss him. I don't miss him. Um, no, I'm good. I'm good. He's, you know, him and his 100-mile-an-hour slider. I'm good. Yeah, he he didn't look as flexible as he used to be. He looked, you know, he looks very muscle bound now. He doesn't have yeah. that same flexibility that he used to. Yeah, well, you know, now now he can really lift him out of the weights he wants. Yeah, <laughs> so, oh sure. Yeah. So, you know, and that's not always a good thing. No, not always a good thing. You can go bench press a car in the parking lot. Yeah, out of frustration, of course. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Buddha's in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha? Buddha? Is this the is this quiet Buddha? We had little Buddha last night. Wow. This is Buddha giving us the silent treatment. Yeah. Right, we'll come back to Buddha. Andre's in Westchester. What's up, Andre? Well, how y'all doing today? Um, how y'all doing? Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. Uh, my question is regarding Kyrie Irving. You know, to keep it peaceful, I believe that, uh, you know, the, the league needs to be neutral on these on these things and just like remove themselves from the political endorsement uh, and just try to be as clear as possible like for example you got these owners they they these kids are you know these players are research engines now a research engine is serious out here you got these owners donating to certain causes you got you know other players mentioning boys and everything else and it's like some people take resentment to it now i do not agree with uh, things said in that documentary, being that I had family members that fought in World War II, segregated uh, second-class citizens home abroad, but went and saved lives over there out of respect and learned for civil matters. 
um, I just feel like to make things peaceful, like you really got to be as neutral and away from these topics in the league as possible. And that includes ownership. That includes media. That includes players. That includes everything. Just play the game and treat these players and everybody alike with um, some 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 civil civil ease. Even with these arenas that like Utah with these fan bases and all that. Like this is ugly out here. And I thank again thank you again for accepting my call. All right, Andre. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, unfortunately, what you're asking is not possible. We are a society now that has asked our athletes to be more vocal. We have asked them to uh, be more respectful to the communities they come from because of the amount of earnings they have. We have asked them to reach back into those communities. We've asked them to be more than athletes. As a matter of fact, for African-Americans, we have asked the athletes to be more like Jim Brown, more like Muhammad Ali, and more like... uh, then Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and the famous picture that you saw from the 60s. We, we are happy with LeBron James, who has gone out and started his own school. His own school. Uh, P. Diddy has done the same thing in the music world. So we have asked our folks to not just take from our communities with their talents for money, and we've asked them to be more vocal and to speak out and to do some things. So that's from the player's aspect. From the owner's aspect, Uh, I hear what you're saying, Andre, but here's the bottom line. Owners and the league deal with sponsors. And when you deal with sponsors, sponsors, (laughs) for their money, they request certain things. And so because of that, owners cannot be quiet. The league cannot be quiet. And I'm just going to go out on a limb here. This is just my opinion. This is just Larry Hardesty. For the Nets to do what they did after all this time, there's been some sponsors that have called Mr. Psy and made some complaints about what has happened. And so that's why the Nets have made this move. Usually, ladies and gentlemen, when we talk about when, when we say athletes always say it's not about the money, it's about the money. It's true. When things are changing, okay, from a uh, team standpoint, from a league standpoint, Gordon, it's usually the money. Why do you think that all of a sudden now, the Snyders, who weren't even thinking about selling it. They weren't even thinking about changing the name of the team. Adamant. When sponsors speak, owners and leagues listen. That's just my humble opinion. Yeah, and look, you know, we, we ter- use terms like the sport or, or the league or the organization. They're all businesses. That's all they are. They're in the business of making as much money as possible, and they'll give their fans what they think the fans are going to buy more of. And they'll stay away from what they think their fans are, are don't want or, or will buy less of. So you can't have a league or a business where one of the main parts of the league is promoting something like Kyrie Irving was 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 supporting. So I, I, I don't really I think the Nets look bad because it took this long. Like they should have been a little bit more proactive on this. But at the end of the day, it's all business. And I, I and Kyrie Irving is bad for business. Yeah, he is. He is. And he's bad for his own brand, which is his yeah, business. You, you would think, although he still has 4 million followers on Twitter. He still has the most yeah. popular shoes in the world. I don't know what that says about society, but that's uh, above my pay grade. Yeah, well, the style is nice. Maybe that's all. Maybe, and, and maybe people aren't even thinking about it, Gordon. Maybe they don't you, even you know what? That. You're probably right. They just, just the love, they like nice. the color of it. They like the that's style it. of it. And it's not a statement of anything. Yeah, some, some people just like, the, you know, just like it. That's all it is. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hi, Buddha. Are you with us this time? Yeah, I'm. I there we go. Every there time I get is. near this bridge, man, this freaking phone cuts out. You know, it's just pick my daughter up from college. Oh, um, nice. Man, listen. Before I get into that serious <laughs> topic, you know, that's really absolutely horrible. I'll just say this to my uh, fellow Yankee fan, Gordon. Um, listen, Aaron Boone is like Tobias Harris. He's Mr. Irrelevant. <laughs> Anything that he's talking about, exactly. don't stress Doesn't yourself. Matter. Don't listen to it. And, you know, just do like I've done, which is it's a dark place to go to. But I've come to terms with the Yankees and not the Yankees anymore. And they haven't been the Yankees for a while, bro. If they were really going to do something, that whole infield, aside from Rizzo, would be all new players back here. You know that's not going to happen, and you know whatever they're going to do is not going to be good enough. So save yourself a headache. I know it's frustrating, but you're better off like that. You know what I mean? 
I hear you. I can't do it, but I hear you. I'm not saying yeah, you're wrong. I'm just trying to talk to you rationally. Yeah, no, you I know. know. I know. You know, as a friend, I'm not, listen, I'm not against right, you like, at all. You know there's right, there's the there. rational part of my brain, which knows you're right, but there's the emotional part of it that can't let that go right now. Yeah, but you know what happens? It's like when people call and they talk about, I don't like the way baseball is played and this, that, and that. I remember Greeny was saying, you know, in life, as you get older, you have to learn that things are going to be different than what they were. I mean, this is one of those situations. You know, might not be for the for the best of your fandom, but it, it is kind of what it is. I mean, at some point, we're well, going to get it. Then all I got is the Dolphins left, and that's not good for anybody. I mean, that's 40 years of failure right there. So, you know, They'll eventually win another World Series sooner or later. Maybe another 10 years. You know? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> well, look, I'll be no, honest. I, Yankees have won five World Series that I, you know, I don't really remember 77 and 78. So they've won five, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not, you know, at the end of the day, I'd like every team to win as much as they have won in the past. It's it's where they've gone now, where they've had the most successful brand in sports. And for some reason now they've decided, let's shake it up. Let's do something different. Let's be like the Rays. Let's be like everybody else, which has not worked well. Yeah, but the whole thing is, like you said, it's with money, with everything. I mean, they're yep. making so much money. I yep. guess something would have to change with that for them, you know, to change their ways. You know, uh, and like with the Jets, I'll just say this much. You know, I just got some downy unstoppables, freshened up that number five Mike White, Mike Effin White jersey, Mike Flight White. I'm, pre- I'm pretty much expecting to see him at some point this game. I hope they don't do the sacrificial land with him like they did last year. But, um, you know, topic of the night, topic of the week, topic of the day, topic of everything like you discussed in this country, um, uh, you know, Listen, I agree with Papa Lodge. He's not ever going to suit up for the Nets ever again. I mean, when it comes to this point, and you just, you, listen, one thing you can say with him, he is consistent. You know, he's a rebel without a pause. So if they're thinking that he's going to do these benchmarks of things that they want, listen, it's not going to happen. They, I don't even think they could put him back on the court. You know, mm-hmm. you know how this world is right now. It is mm-hmm. a much deeper a serious discussion that needs to be had about not what he said, not what he promoted and everything like that, but like you guys said, that he got a lot of followers. And, see, that's something that people are not being honest about. As long as those discussions don't happen, these things are going to continue to happen. You know, the race relations are not good in this country. And, you know, as long as people duck that conversation, you know, this is these things are going to happen. I mean, the young man's misguided, uh, very disappointing, you know, just, just, just sad all the way around. But, if you're going to look at any type of a positive note that comes out of these things, as we always look for when something is absolutely horrible, uh, I'll just refer to you, Unc, and I would say, look, with what took place now here, and listen, the Nets are not winning any NBA championship. They were playing team at the best, similar to where the Knicks are. So the Knicks might not have been a thing for Durant before, but at this point, with his injury history, with all of the stuff surrounding him, there's not many teams. The Nets tried to trade them, and nobody wanted. Nobody was going to bite. Nobody was going to give them what they want. There's one team out there that is absolutely desperate to get an all-star, superstar, whatever type of player that you want that actually has the asset that the Nets would be interested in. And you know who it is, huh? It's your team right there. Yeah. This is maybe that opportunity. I mean, everybody's got to eat a slice of humble pie. I mean, Durant is really, I don't know what he's thinking about. I'd love to know him as a personal person, to know what the heck he's thinking about, about aligning himself with this dude and and the way he's looking and the way his legacy is going down in history. But what would be able to save him? And the Knicks have some pieces. You said, listen, I don't know if they could get Julius Randle off. (laughs) That would be the best. Please? But I'm 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 sure the Nets would take Obi Toppin, two or three first-round draft picks and another couple of players, and then the Garden would have what they would want. You know, the only problem you have there is now you got um, Oswald Cobblepot over there on the sidelines, and I don't know how he's going to get along with Durant. Durant you know how this guy is. But maybe that's the, the bloom that comes off with his rose of gloom. You know, I don't know, man. You just wow. This is absolutely horrible, guys. It is. It really is, Buddha. It really is. Thanks for the phone call. It is. It's horrible. And, and listen, Gordon, if, if the Knicks were to make a deal, if the Knicks were to make a deal for KD, Thibodeau would be out in a year anyway. 
<laughs> you know, the <laughs> thing about Kyrie being suspended and people saying he's never going to play for the Nets again, I, I don't see him ever coming out and saying, I'm sorry, no, I screwed up. No, he's not going to do that. No, 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 he's not going to do that. I don't think he'll ever do he's that. He's not going to do it. Mm-mm. And I don't think, and I think you're in the same mind as me, I don't think it bothers him that much. I don't think no. basketball is all that important to him. He could leave tomorrow and go out and do something other than sports. And you know what, Gordon? Maybe he should really consider that. Maybe Please. that would be what he should consider doing. Absolutely. That That's be... what he should consider doing. Take some yeah. time, do some research on things so yeah. that when you oh, speak, God. you understand what yeah. you're saying, you have some context, and then mix your thoughts with, with the research that you've done mm. and, and leave basketball behind. Maybe I mean, listen, he's, he's not that I'm in his pocket. But from a financial oh, situation, he's done, he's he, done, great. He's done well. He's got generational wealth. You know, and, and you hear him speak, and there's – and that, see, that's what's crazy because some things that he says make sense. Some things – not in this situation. No. Not about this. But there's other things that he has said about different things, like, you know, dur- during COVID, giving money to the WNBA to make sure that the, because the, the ladies were losing money and stuff like that and how it's about coming together with, with, the, with basketball and looking out for each other. I mean, things like that, those are positives that he's done. So there, there, there is something there to work with. But he really needs to get away, Gordon, and have some serious conversation with somebody who's, who could be a real mentor to him and put him so that he can organize himself a little better than what he is because he's all over the place. He is all over the place, and that's not good for him, and it's not good for the folks who are around him because, Gordon, you and I know this. When you are in a, in a spot like he is, when you're in a position like he is, who is very talented, whom hobnobs with different people, outsiders, people who follow you think that you really are in touch with a lot of different things and they follow you just for the sake of following you. And as Buddha said, that's the concerning thing. That's what, that's the scary part of this. Look, he's gotten uh, this much done and and he's been this much of a disaster while he's had an, an actual day job. Like if he doesn't have that, I can't imagine the things that he'll get into. Yeah, you're right. That that's the other side of it. That's the other side of it. But for all the for all the things that he has taken time away from his day job to do, there's an interest there. Oh no, I think he's far more interested in those things than he is in playing basketball. No question. And so, if that's the case, then he needs to do the research and maybe consider doing those things. Or even, I hope this that this situation at least teaches him. And I don't know whether he saw the movie or not. I don't know whether he read the book or not. But I hope this situation says to him, you know what? Before I endorse or put anything on Twitter or any of my, any of my social media platforms, I need to really, really look and see what these things are saying before they're attributed to me. Because he stood at his, at his conference today. He's like, I'm standing up here again and again and again. Yeah, if you had read it or seen the movie, you would not have, in, based on what you're saying, I'm for all races, you would not have endorsed that, so you would not have put that on your social media page, and therefore, Gordon, you would not be standing up here again. Like Stephen A. Smith said, uh, I think it was two days ago, Kyrie looks at himself as he's all-knowing and the rest of us are peons. So you're never going to apologize. You're never going to say, I'm wrong. You're never going to backtrack in any way. He'll just come up with something else, and, and whether or not he plays basketball again, uh, I guess that uh, remains to be seen. So in other words, what you're saying to me, Gordon, is humility is his first lesson. It, it should be. You have to be willing to actually learn a lesson to do that, though. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.